It's time for the Contempo Coding Podcast. Discussions, knowledge, and insight to help you succeed in the medical coding industry. And now, here's your host, Victoria. Hey there, coding crew. It is Friday, and it is time for another episode of the Contempo Coding Podcast. I am so excited to be here again for another podcast. I just finished up HealthCon Virtual Regional Conference last week. I spoke about new provider education and it went over so well, such good reviews. Thank you so much to those of you that were able to participate and dropped some great feedback on my LinkedIn profile. I am extremely, extremely appreciative. And a big shout out to those of you that have been following me on my podcast because you found me through my YouTube channel. This YouTube channel, holy crow, it is blowing up. I am getting messages, DMs, emails, and just such great, amazing feedback. I am so thankful for every single person that is not only liking the content, but commenting. Like, I love the comments. I love hearing the great comments. And then also sharing on LinkedIn, sharing on Facebook, sharing in email. I'm seeing even some links that are being routed back from some different community college across the nation. So that's really interesting to see that there is potentially some students or teachers in community colleges that are sharing some of the information from my YouTube channels. I just unlocked memberships with the channel as well. So if you are interested in helping to support me and all the great content that I'm creating, you can join either the silver, gold, or platinum status membership. The silver membership is only $1.99 a month. The gold membership is $4.99, and then I believe $9.99 is platinum. The difference is is that silver, you get access to some exclusive community content on YouTube. With the silver membership, you get some uh, credits on the end of the videos, and then at platinum membership, you actually get exclusive bonus content, as well as some outtakes and bloopers from my YouTube channel. So, you know, it's the, the price of one cup of coffee a month, basically, to help support the channel, and you can join membership, and you also get badges, everyone gets badges, and there's also custom emojis that can be used when I start doing live chats. I've started doing some select Saturday AMAs, where it is ask me anything about medical coding on a Saturday, and, you know, of course not, you know, how to code out complex cases for you, but just general things about the industry. So there's three custom emojis currently, more to come. One is just a little picture of me. One is a picture of me holding a CPT book, and then one's another picture of me holding an ICD book. Uh, Just, you know what, while I'm on the subject of myself, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I just thought it might be an interesting tidbit to share. If you notice on the introduction to the podcast, it just says Victoria, like here's Victoria and not Victoria Mole. And first off, however you pronounce my last name, I really am not terribly picky about it. I married into the name and then divorced it out pretty soon, but kept my my married name. I'm told it's pronounced mall, like shopping mall, but honestly, half the time, I don't think I even pronounce it correctly. But in any case, when I got divorced, you know, I had already been with Chuck for my boyfriend, Chuck, uh, for a, a certain amount of time and was planning that we were getting married. You know, we have, a, like I've said a couple of times, and I hate to be cryptic, but a series of unfortunate events happen uh, that has prevented us from having the money aside that we were planning, uh, that we did have aside, <sighs> to get married. But in any case, 
<laughs> my plan was I was going to be getting married, so I didn't want to switch back to my maiden name, which is actually Whitby, and then go from Whitby to Mole back to Whitby and then to my boyfriend's last name. His name is actually Vo. He's half Vietnamese and half Chinese. His mom was originally from China. And then when they were very young, decided they wanted to get away from the communists and move to Vietnam, which did not work out. And she had to, uh, I guess, because she had no other choice at the time, flee on a boat with my boyfriend's half brother at the time and set sail for America. And then he, she married a Vietnamese man. So my boyfriend's last name is Vo, which is a Vietnamese last name. So eventually, the big joke that I say is that when I get married, even though I've gone by Victoria for so long, I'm fully anticipating that people are going to start referring to me as Vicky Vo. And I, I don't know that I want to go by Vicky, but I do kind of like that last name, like the alliterative name, because if you're familiar with Marvel Comics at all, that's like a big thing that Stan Lee used to do. He used to give all of his characters alliterative names, like Bruce Banner. So that in case he could remember at least one of them and he couldn't remember what the other name was, he knew it started with the same letter. So I like the thought of being Victoria Vo, and I've rehearsed like being very smarmy when I pronounce my, my name. You know, if I get it eventually, just being like, hello, I'm Victoria Vo. Um, so that's something, that's, that's why I don't say my last name in the introduction because that way I won't have to find another voice actor or find try and find the same voice actor who did my introduction and have him redo the introduction with a different last name. Now this has been a big week for me too because I just purchased the licensed materials to teach the CPC curriculum through the AAPC. So I'm going through all the slides right now to get that together. So I'm hoping that by October I can launch the CPC course on my website. I'm still working on some uh, fine tuning of the slides. It's going to be the Victoria version of the CPC curriculum. So I'm adding in a lot of extra stuff that I, I think you're just, like I've said before with my other courses, you're not going to get this anywhere else. It's going to be very uh, advanced, I think, compared to some of the other things you're going to see online that are essentially reading the slides because I'm, I'm not into that kind of thing. So between that and a bunch of speaking engagements, I have lined up at various chapters and then just other things that I want to put together as far as toolkits and videos and podcasts. Like my brain is going a million miles an hour trying to uh, shoot everything out of the, the ballpark at once. And I just, I'm trying to pace myself and really prioritize what are the things that I need to do most imminently and try to get those done. But my gosh, do I have a million, a million and one ideas of cool things to put together right now. And I think it's that content creation that is really what advances some of the medical coders right now and people in the healthcare industry. I feel like there's two very distinct conversations, two very different conversations that are going on in the medical coding, HIM, health information kind of world in regards to social media. 
One is the stance of like, don't go on social media, don't post pictures of you with wine or pictures of you in bikinis or, you know, don't engage with people in a negative fashion, you know, the, do, the do's and don'ts of social media. And then there's the complete opposite side where we're going, let's get on podcasts, let's get on YouTube, let's get on TikTok, let's get on Instagram, let's share all these cool creative ideas surrounding our industry on the internet, start Facebook groups, start communities, and join in all these different conversations and help each other out. So I don't want to make it sound like it's an age thing because I don't, I don't think it ultimately is. I think it really is just a mindset thing. And I think those that are going to hop on sooner and get engaged appropriately in social media are going to, in the long run, in this TikTok generation that we're, we're getting into, are going to have a, a very big leg up. So today, just speaking of legs ups, I want to talk about what separates the good versus the great versus the experts in medical coding and just kind of how you can also gain some integrity as a medical coder. So when I think about what's a good medical coder, what is someone who, if I would look to, to meet them and talk to them or they were even online, what would I say? Oh yeah, this is a, a good medical coder, you know, abilities aside, just coding abilities themselves aside. So a good medical coder is certified either through the AAPC or AHIMA. Those are two big credentialing organizations that we have. So you need to have a certification to show your capabilities, your proficiencies through either AAPC or AHIMA. The other thing that I think makes someone a good coder is that you keep up with your CEUs. <laughs> and I think we've all had probably some moments where we've maybe gotten at least close to the end and gone, oh my gosh, I need a few more. But the thing I always say with CEUs is they're not just about making sure you hit your 16 or 32 or whatever it is you need for your CEUs. It really is about taking in that information and investing in that additional education. So not just the, the checking off the box that you got the CEUs, but what did you learn? What did you retain? I, I like to even relearn things that I already know because it's interesting to see the way that other people dissect them and present them. And I think just there's always something I can take away, even if I'm learning the same concept, there's just something to take away about educational presentation styles, even if maybe it's not, even if maybe it's, it's what not to do on those presentation styles, there's always something to take away. So good coders know their resources. They know how to use their books or how to use their encoders appropriately. And they also want to learn and grow from their peers. And this can be, I think, difficult now in our virtual environment because it's harder to reach out via email versus stopping by someone's desk and maybe having that conversation because there there may be a little bit more reluctancy that, oh, you know, if I email my friend Angie, who is a coder in the department on the other side of my office, um, you know, is she is she going to send that email to my boss and make it look like I don't know what I'm talking about? You know, because when you email, there's that definitive train. So I think it's important that we encourage our coders, especially the ones that are starting out in the middle of this epidemic, 
that they can reach out via phone, they can reach out via email, it's safe. So you want to, we want to take care of our new coders because none of us are going to live forever. Eventually one day we're all going to retire and we want the healthcare industry to continue to grow, to continue to prosper, to continue to repair itself. And the only way that's going to happen is by bringing in new blood and accepting them and showing them the ropes and not giving them the answers, but showing them how to utilize the tools that we use as coders, as health information professionals, so that they can empower themselves and start learning how to research and how to find the right answers. Now, the great coders are ones that go out and help others. And this doesn't mean that you have to be the master of all things coding, but you have to be willing to help. There is one lady that has helped out on my chapter, and I have no idea how good of a quality of a coder she is, but like she showed up one day with chocolate covered pretzel sticks and gift baskets just because she was so happy about our chapter and just wanted to give back. And even though I don't know anything about her coding skills, I know about what she is like as a person. And if she were to approach me and say, Victoria, I want a recommendation from you, I would be more than willing to give it because I can tell that she's someone who just goes above and beyond to help others out. And once you're at that great level of medical coding and knowledge, that's when you are able to be an independent researcher, that you know how to use your tools, you know how to go to the federal register, you know how to search the CPT assist, that you're not looking for someone to direct you anymore, that you're able to do research independently and formulate your own conclusions as far as the regulations and information that you're, you're finding. So a great coder can really deep dive into those regulations and piece together how to apply the codes correctly based off of the regulations when you can and can't do things based off of the regulations and really interpret those those deep things in, in the guidelines like in the Federal Register, not just looking up stuff like a lay description in a encoder tool, but like really into the nitty gritty stuff. And not only do they do that, but they share those resources. So once they've gone in, researched the heck out of everything, come up with the conclusion, they take those resources back to their team, back to their manager, back to their coding friends and say, hey, this is what I found and I wanna share this with you so that if you're having these similar types of problems, you can troubleshoot them as well because this is what I found and this is what I think the outcome is. Now, great coders may or may not have additional certifications. There's lots of phenomenal coders I know out there that are just so giving and so wonderful that only have one certification. And really, I mean, you kind of only need one coding certification. The, the certifications themselves aren't like passive achievements. You don't just get to go, hey, I'm certified and now I get to sit on this for forever because, you know, there are some people that just have that alphabet soup at the end of their name because they just like the way that it looks. So they'll just take whatever exam and study, study, study. And maybe you're just kind of good at passing exams because they want to have all those certifications behind their name. And yes, there are studies that are done that people with multiple credentials do make more 
income in this field, but you also have to consider it takes a lot of time to study for additional credentials. So people that have more credentials, have several credentials, probably have been in the industry for longer, which also attributes to why they might be making some more income. I've actually recently seen an uptick in coders getting their coding instructor certifications, and I don't think the intentions behind that are quite what they should be. And I think the understanding of what that credential is and what it's supposed to be used for are confused by a lot of parties. I do have plans to do a YouTube video on how to become a coding instructor and what that looks like and what really the instructor certification is supposed to be for. So that's on the list. I don't know that I'm going to do it soon because it's probably not a super, super high demand for that, but it is something that I am planning on making a video for. Now, what makes one an expert coder? And again, aside from the fact that you know all things medical coding, because that's kind of the obvious thing. So what I feel makes the really advanced expert coders, people that are viewed as leaders, viewed as experts in the field, are the people that truly are making content. That is a huge key, and that is going to be going forward a tremendous key, and not just making content because you copied someone else, not just, you know, being an instructor, not just putting some slides together that someone else really developed and you're just kind of reading them, but making original content. And original content is really what's going to set you aside. And in this state that we're in now, like there is just so many outlets for different content that you can create. You can make presentations and present at your local chapters and then work your way up to maybe regional conferences, work your way up to the national conference. And there's so many resources you can find on public speaking. Someone just recently uh, linked in me about Toastmasters, which is a fantastic organization. And these are people that have chapters, kind of like the AAPC, like local chapters. And they're people that want to build on their public speaking skills. I've taken a lot of online courses and just done tutorials on presentation styles. Like one of the things that I have that's like the default presentation style I have is you have to start with a hook. So what is the big thing you're going to learn? Like today I'm going to show you the mastery of modifiers. Today I'm going to show you how to make more money in your revenue cycle. Or you could even pose a question like what if I could save you um, 25% in your AR? Or what if I could show you how to increase your productivity as a coder by 10% within the next three weeks? And then go into like, why are you an expert in this field? What is it about you? Why should we believe all the things you're about to say? And then start going into like, well, this is why you need to pay attention to for the en the entirety of the procedure, because at the end, I'm going to go over da, 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 da. Now, I don't get to that formula every single time. Sometimes I'm just doing more informational stuff, but there's there's great things that you can learn on how to do presentations just by some of those simple structures. Now, if you're not the type of person that wants to be in front of a crowd, you can even start a blog. You can go on to WordPress and start a blog for nothing. And that's an easy thing to do. And you don't have to write for three pages every single blog. And blogs are 
a little bit more conversational. Now in our industry, probably the majority of them are more technical, but figure out your own style, figure out what works for you and how you wanna present yourself and the information that you're talking about in your blog. And it doesn't have to be just coding information. It could be things like building soft skills, how to uh, use different tools and research, how to find a job, how to pass your interview, and just general things like that. And you can do videos. You can do videos on YouTube like I do. You could do uh, online courses. There's some pretty reasonable learning management systems you can purchase these days in order to create and sell your own webinars. And I've even seen a lot of people do it through Zoom. And I think there's even some, I, I don't remember if it's GoToWebinar or what, that will automatically allow you to monetize some of the webinars that you are doing. And you can use things like Eventbrite to create and sell your webinars online. You can also publish articles in Healthcare Business Monthly. There's a pretty easy form if you go to the AAPC.com. They give you the form to submit your attached article and they the, the editors in Healthcare Business Monthly are like wizards. They will take your article and shine it so that it is like a bright, brilliant diamond by the time it gets into Healthcare Business Monthly. You can also contact Billing and Coding Advantage. They often look for new authors to submit material for their um, monthly magazine. Or you could start a podcast. I think Tony Elholms just did a great introduction to how to start a podcast on her podcast, the Alpha Coding Experts podcast. And there's free ways that you can do it. You can use things like Anchor, which allows you to monetize your podcast right away. I like to use Buzzsprout, which I do pay for because I just feel a little bit more safe when I know I am paying someone to take care of my content. I'm not super, super big right now into monetizing my podcast. I think as I get more comfortable and move on, I will. But there are resources that I use through Buzzsprout that do have almost like a marketplace of different sponsors that you can search through and um, partner with them to do sponsorships on your podcast, paid sponsorships. I actually got asked to do a sponsorship for my YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago, but it just, even as much as I would have loved to take their money, it just wasn't a good match. It might be eventually as their company grows, but for what, there it was an insurance company and the types of insurance that we would need as medical coders they are planning on providing, but aren't currently. But when they get to that point, that might be a good partnership for them to sponsor some of my YouTube videos. And even if you are just a good or a great or an expert coder, or you're just interested in coding, you haven't even started out yet, the one thing that I will say that you will need in every single level of medical coding is your integrity. You need to be strong, you need to be morally upright. And one thing that, I could go on a whole tangent, but I'm not going to. One thing that uh, has been really hitting me lately is copyrights. And I think it's because I've been doing so much content creation and I know what goes into it. And if you've ever had to make medical coding questions and include the rationale of why you came up with that answer, it is extremely difficult. 
and there's been a lot of sharing of information because we just think it's the internet and we can share everything for free but you have to be very very careful about material that is copyrighted and sharing that to other coders especially if it's the AAPC's copyrighted material because I would hate for anyone to be in a situation where they could risk losing their credentials because they knowingly were sharing materials that were copyrighted by the AAPC like taking a study guide and sharing that amongst other people that did not purchase that study guide. I know the AAPC, I'm not sure about AHIMA because I'm not an AHIMA member, but I know the AAPC has a very strict code of ethics. And actually, if you look on their code of ethics, one of the things that they've updated over the past few years has been about conduct. So not going to conferences and berating people, not you know being rude to speakers at conferences, as well as your online reactions that you are not to go ahead and name call people in various online forums because you could find yourself in an actual ethics violation with your, with your certifying organization, with the AAPC. So make sure that you're always doing what is right even if you know your friends want to borrow all of your stuff and I'm not saying don't loan them your books but it, we just had the free AAPC so a lot of people took their study guides and probably downloaded them and you cannot share that downloaded study guide with someone else so just be aware of those kind of things I know it does get kind of confusing and hairy with the, with the internet that we're on now where we want to just share information and share information so just to kind of Recap, remember our good medical coders, we're certified. We keep up on our CEUs. We know how to use our resources and we want to learn and we want to grow. Our great coders, they're helping out others. They are able to independently research. They can deep dive into the regulations, share those resources, and maybe get some additional certifications. And then that really that expert level is the content creation. When you're writing in Healthcare Business Monthly and doing presentations or blogs or videos, or courses or webinars and then maybe even a podcast or a YouTube channel. I always joke because it seems like there's been like power couples in medical coding for the past few years and they change every couple of years and I feel like Tony Elholmes and I are like the new power couple in medical coding. So I would really love to see some of you breaking out of your shell, doing some more articles, doing some blogs, making cool content. There's even a girl that I've seen on Instagram, and I think it's like Medical Coding 101, that draws out these beautiful colored tip sheets and like instruction sheets that are so good that they make me want to just quit what I'm doing because the work that she is putting out is absolutely just so completely phenomenal that she'll probably surpass me in the next three months. So don't be afraid to go out there and make something new. Just because no one's done it before doesn't mean you can't do it or shouldn't do it. It just means that you're going to be settings, blazing some new trails, which we need in healthcare because, you know, this is an industry that needs some help and excitement is great. There's nothing wrong with adding some excitement into the industry. And I hope you add some excitement into your weekend and into your week and into your month and into your career. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to those of you that continue to come back and get all of this insight and give us reviews and ratings and go back to the YouTube channel for even more information. Thank you so much. Have a great week.